Hi everyone, this is Danny, and thanks so much for listening along because we're now up to our final chapter of the novel The White Tiger. So we're now up to chapter 8, which is called The Seventh Night. Um, I may have miscalculated the chapter titles earlier, but the description of them should be right. But if there's any confusion, please feel free to get into contact with me and I'll help you out. So the last chapter ended with Balram murdering his employer, Mr. Athok, stealing bribe money and coming back to try and get his nephew before um, fleeing from the police. Uh, so this chapter basically sums up the narrative and it tells us, you know, how Balram went from being a criminal to becoming a successful entrepreneur. So it really sums up the emotional journey of Balram and how he got became, you know, that entrepreneur when he started off as being a poor young boy born into a poor caste. So a lot of things happen in this chapter. So please make sure that you're writing down notes and if you have any questions at all, obviously get into contact with me. So Balram uh, gets his nephew and he flees. They catch a train and they uh, get on and off the train as often as they can to try and throw people off their trail. And he winds up making it to Bangalore. And while in Bangalore, he can see that there's wanted posters that are after him, but nobody recognises him. Balram looks, you know, like he describes he looks like almost any Indian man. And I think that's sort of maybe the point, because while Balram thinks that he is special, well, maybe he's not. Maybe other people are like Balram also, but he's just, you know, that one person in a million who's actually going to act on it. And Bangalore is a really interesting city. So on page 255, Balram describes it. He says, everything in this city, it seemed, came down to one thing, outsourcing, which meant that doing things in India for Americans over the phone, everything flowed in from it, real estate, wealth, power, sex. So I'd have to join this outsourcing thing one way or the other. And that's what Balram does. He observes, observes the situation until he's able to manipulate it so that he can get best advantage. There's this really interesting moment on page 256 where um, Balram describes that you know, when he first made it to Bangalore and he tried to start up a company, he found it difficult at first. And he has this moment sort of at the bottom of 256 where he asks himself, what would Mr. Athok do? And it's really interesting because even though he's murdered Mr. Athok, Athok is still, you know, somewhat a source of inspiration to Balram. He still views him as someone that's intelligent, wealthy, capable. And Balram asks himself, what would this guy do because he wants to be like that guy even though he murders him and then he thinks about it on page 258 when he's developing his company he actually adopts the name of his master so on page 258 he says contact Ashok Sharma now and isn't that interesting Balram has so many different names in this novel we've looked at all of them like there's Mana boy Balram, the name the teacher gives him, White Tiger, the name that the school inspector gives him, and now he's taking on the alias of Ashok Sharma. Now he's finally become like his master, if only in name. And Balram begins to build his empire. He starts to become more and more successful. On page 262, he reflects on India's progress from being viewed as a third world country into being viewed more as a global superpower. And he says, white men will be finished within my lifetime. There are blacks and reds too, but I have no idea what they're up to. 
The radio never talks about them. My humble prediction, in 20 years' time, it will just be us yellow and brown men at the top of the pyramid and we'll rule the whole world and God save everyone else. And Balaram sees that. He thinks that in time, society is going to be flipped and those people that occupy powerful positions, in his view, you know, white men, are going to be overthrown by the people who used to be on the bottom, so brown and yellow men. So in effect, there'll be people like Balram who are able to transform society. And I think a big part of Balram welcomes that. He wants it to happen. He wants the world to change. Balram tells Win Jabao, the Chinese premier, who he's writing to about this incident that happened to him, as he says on 262, two nights ago. He describes it for us. It will also allow me to illustrate the differences between Bangalore and Laksmanag. Understand, Mr. Jabal, it is not as if you come to Bangalore and find that everyone is moral and upright here. This city has its share of thugs and politicians. It's just that here, if a man wants to be good, he can be good. In Laksmanag, he doesn't even have this choice. See, the difference between this India and that India is the choice. And that's the thing. Balram sees India as being two different countries in one. The darkness, you know, where he grew up in, and the light, a place like Bangalore. And I think that that quote shows that Balram still feels like he had no choice. He had to do morally wrong things in order to get ahead. And he blames society for forcing him into that position. Society is the one, after all, that didn't allow Balram any choice. And again, that's open to interpretation. You might disagree with it, but it's just something interesting to consider when you're thinking about Balram's character and the choices that he makes. So Balram has a driver that accidentally uh, runs over a small child, so it parallels the incident that happened to Balram and Pinky Madam. But the difference is in how Balram deals with it. Balram goes to meet with the family of the young boy who's been run over, and he tells them, on page 268. First of all, I want, you to ex I want to express my deep sorrow at the death of your son. Having lost relatives myself, so many of them, I know the pain that you have suffered. He should not have died. Second, the fault is mine, not the driver's. The police have let me off. That is the way of the jungle we live in, but I accept my responsibility and I ask for your forgiveness. I pointed to the brown envelope lying on the table. There are 25,000 rupees in here. I don't give it to you because I have to, but because I want to. Do you understand? And it's interesting because Balaram, he is bribing these people, but he doesn't have to. He's already got away with his responsibility in this crime. But I think that he feels like he owes a set sense of responsibility to these people, that he has to give them money in order to sort of make up for what he's done in some small way. So depending on how you view Balaram's character, you could say, look, he is trying to do a sort of responsible thing here, or you can still see him as that sort of corrupted Balram. Again, it's your choice, but it's a really interesting moment to reflect on. At the bottom of page 269, Balram describes why he did this to when Jabali says, but I had to do something different, don't you see? I can't live the way that the wild boar and the buffalo and the raven lived, and probably still live back in Laksmanag. I am in the light now. Balram believes that he's in the light and he's a good person and he's going to be different from the masters. And again, it's up to you to decide whether or not you agree with it. Remember, this is first person. It's all subjective. It's all how Balram sees the world, sees himself and how he describes it to us. It doesn't mean that we as readers necessarily have to agree with the line that he's giving us. 
In the closing few moments of the novel on page 270, Balram sort of addresses that notion of guilt and whether or not he feels badly for the murder and whether or not he feels badly for the presumed murder of his family after his decision to kill Ashok. And he relates this story of the Buddha on the bottom of page 270 and he says, The Buddha smiled and said, Sorry about that, just had a little issue of technology. So at the bottom of 270, Balram relates this story of the Buddha to help describe whether or not he feels guilt for what he's done. It says, it was the story of the Buddha. One day a cutting brown man, a priest, trying to trick the Buddha, asked him, Master, do you consider yourself a man or a god? The Buddha smiled and said, neither. I am just one who is woken up while the rest of you are sleeping. I'll give you the same answer to your question, Mr. Jabal. You ask, are you a man or are you a demon? Neither, I say. I have woken up and the rest of you are still sleeping and that is the only difference between us. I shouldn't think of them at all, my family. I think that what, what that means for me anyway is that Balram considers himself to be enlightened. He's someone that sees the world for what it is and the fact that he has allowed his family to be murdered in the quest for his personal freedom, to him anyway, is justified and he doesn't feel guilt for it or at least he doesn't feel a lot of guilt for it. He believes that he was right and that society pushed him into this and his his choices were the only ones that were available to him if he wanted to be free. And interestingly on page 272 Balram describes the only thing that he feels any real guilt for and he says that leaves only one person to talk about, my ex. But I do think about him a lot, and believe it or not, I do miss him. He didn't deserve his fate. I should have cut the mongoose's neck. You remember the mongoose was his brother. So I think it's fair to say that Balram does still have some sense of guilt for murdering Ashok. He still feels a bit badly about that, even if he doesn't feel badly about the fact that he stole or anything like that. I think that killing Ashok is something that he's struggled with, because deep down... I think he had some degree of affection or maybe even love for him. And Balram sums up his philosophy on page 274. He says, You see, I'm always a man who sees tomorrow when others see today. He doesn't get bound up in regrets. Balram's all about tomorrow. He's about the future. He's like the river. He just keeps flowing. And there's one final fantastic quote that Balaram says at the end where he's describing, you know, what the future holds for him. And then on page 275 he says, See, sometimes I think that I will never get caught. I think the rooster coop needs people like me to break out of it. It needs masters like Mr. Ashok, who for all his numerous virtues was not much of a master, to be weeded out and the exceptional servants like me to replace them. At such times, I gloat that Mr. Ashok's family can put up a reward of a million dollars on my head and it will not matter. I have switched sides. I am now one of those who cannot be caught in India. At such moments, I look up at this chandelier and I just want to throw my hands up and holler so loudly that my voice would carry over the phones and the call centre rooms all the way to the people in America. I've made it. I've broken out of the coop. And I think that that's Balram saying that in the end, it was all worth it. He made it out of the coop. He survived. He's become successful. It was worth it. And he sums that up for the very last time on page 276 where he tells Wenjabao and also the reader, yet 
If all my chandeliers come crashing down to the floor, even if they throw me in jail and have all of the other prisoners dip their beaks into me, even if they make me walk the wooden stairs from the hangman's noose, I'll never say I made a mistake that night in Delhi when I slit my master's throat. It was all worthwhile to know, just for a day, just for an hour, just for a minute, what it means to not be a servant. And that sums it up. Maybe for Balram, being free is the most important thing. And perhaps that's what Adiga is saying too. So thank you for listening. I hope that you found it helpful. Please feel free to get into contact with me if there's anything that you want to discuss or if you need any help at all.